Welcome to the Christchurch Manchester Theology Podcast. The CCM School of Theology meets monthly on Saturday mornings at Luther King House in Manchester. For more information about the training that we offer or about our church in Manchester, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. On Saturday 16th of October, John Owen taught two sessions at Christchurch Manchester School of Theology. This is the second of those sessions, where John looked at the topic of prayer. John currently serves on the staff at Regents Theological College in Worcestershire. Let's take a listen to the session. Okay, so uh, prayer. Um, I have to say at the outset, I'm not an eloquent prayer. I, I often stumble in prayer, uh, but without doubt... I found it to be the most important, powerful component of my Christian life. And I found that often through desperation, <laughs> I must say. Uh, things have changed and they do in our life. It, it, life takes an unexpected twist in terms of uh, roles where you live, community, jobs. But I feel, you know... In the background, always God has reminded me that prayer needs to be constant. So I'm going to try and give a personal reflection rather than impart information because I don't, I don't believe that really will work with prayer. So pray, well, introduction, why pray? And I think what we've got here is the kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. That, you know, prayer involves the everyday life, which can involve sometimes trivia. And does God respond to that? Or trouble uh, which the prayer tends to be one word help well you know does god intervene in the trivia of our daily lives i remember and i'm taking an example from a long time ago and i'll tell you why i'm doing that but i remember i started off after my degree and i started working in a firm of chartered accountants and uh, i had a senior that i worked for who made my life very very oppressive oppressive actually it wouldn't have if there was an hr in the company i think he would have um i'd have had a strong case and i hated to go into into work and it was the the time before uh, electronic devices and he used to go in his office and say john there are a sack of books there from a client i want those accounts done by and he gave me so many days to do them and i'd be shaking as i go into his office and once I remember, I did, it was just before I got married after uh, my degree, I moved back home because my, my wife was doing a medical elective in, in India. And so we were to get married in, in just a few months later. So it was only a temporary thing. And I remember saying to my parents, I don't want to go in today. You know, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And um, I went in that day and he called me down to his office. And it was, oh, no. <laughs> what is he going to say? What are going to bash me around as he, he normally did? He just said these words. He said, John, I, I want to apologize to you for the way I've been treating you. <laughs> and it was almost like he's in a daze as he spoke these things. I could not believe it. I went home and thinking, what on earth has happened here? And um, I told my parents and he said, he said, well, what time did this happen? And he said, at this very time, John, we were praying for you together for the situation. I tell you, that was an answer to prayer. It wasn't trivia, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't trouble, but it was normal to everyday life, but it set me on a journey. If my parents uh, have experienced that, and I've experienced that through them, then prayer 
is, is important for the rest of my life. But also we instinctively cry out when, uh, to God when trouble strikes, when there's danger. Help, as I say, goes up. And as a pastor, I, I must say, I was a pastor for 15 years, and I was drawn into situations of dropping everything to support and pray for those who just received dire health news. And I experienced the Holy Spirit directing me that you must go and you must pray now. But against this background, sometimes, or all too often, there's no answer to prayer at all or immediately or in our expected timescales. And I'll look at this issue later in, in dealing with unanswered prayer. Then again, there are some tremendous experiences of, of, of testimonies. I've heard from other people. I mentioned my father uh, earlier, and uh, he was a dementia carer from his mid-70s to his 80s um, um, for my mother. And uh, with dementia, three times, separate times, she went AWOL in a busy place. And three times he cried out to God for help. And three times in different occasions over the years, help came quickly from three separate people. You can imagine a man in his mid-80s trying to find his wife with dementia. Amazing testimony. I, I only learned this recently. My father was 91 and I wrote up and said these in, encounters that he's had with God and never knew all about these encounters, including these, until my mother died. Amazing answers to prayer. And um, as I said, from, from being a 17-year-old, he, he was experiencing religious experiences like this, though not from a charismatic background at all. God answers prayer. That's uh, what we need to uh, uh, see in this situation. But does, God, does prayer matter? Well, the Son of God who brought wills into being that sustains everything, Colossians 1, he felt a need to pray. He prayed as though it made a difference. And he gave regular time to prayer for guidance, energy, and to, to do the Father's will. Philip Yancey has written a great book on prayer. I don't know if it's out of print now, but fantastic. He says he felt a strong need to flood heaven with requests. And likewise, the Lord commands his followers to pray, certain that it would make a difference in a world full of opposition to God. Ask, believe, and you will receive, he said frankly in Mark 11, 24. So what is prayer? Prayer is our personal invitation into God's presence, to come to him just as we are, to a God before whom we're fully known, and it's important in this respect because God has called us into relationship. It's important that the believers, we understand that. But Jesus said to his disciples, you're my friends, you're not servants. The Lord actually enjoys our friendship. We're family, we're sons and daughters. And it's wonderful that we have access, you know, just focusing back on Hebrews, to the creator of the universe, the redeemer of our souls, 24-7. And to meditate on this fact that we know God, or more significantly, are known by him. In Galatians 4, verse 9, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Sometimes, uh, and maybe it's my age, but I keep waking up in the middle of the night. And I just pull my hands out and I just receive from God. He's available 24-7. You know, we live in a celebrity culture where people generally get excited about their status, their recognition. And even in some parts of the Western church, this celebrity culture has sadly infiltrated Christianity, which too readily focuses on receiving the praise of others. Whether personal prayer invites us away from such false worship and distractions into building our relationship and friendship with God, 
And in this respect, one thing we should be cultivating is a secret place where we meet God, a place that's not seen before men and women. You know, Jesus said, he said, don't pray like the hypocrites who love to perform in public. But you go to the closet and pray to the Father who alone sees what he's done in secret. And also it contributes to our experience of and with God by meditating on his word and developing, cultivating a prayer life, a sanctuary space of complete honesty before God. That will involve, you know, aspects, there's many aspects of prayer, of adoration, praise, thanksgiving, gratitude, lament, confession. Times we find ourselves in petition or intercession and meditation and contemplation. Henry Newman says, we create space in which God can act. God who made space in the more literal sense, the universe, needs us to protect a God space to prevent our lives with filling up with other things. It's interesting, I was doing a, a study um, on Philippians. I was leading over a number of sessions to a number of mature students in uh, who were, were there in Manchester, and uh, this issue of prayer came up. I came away very disillusioned that uh, they were reflecting, and they were mature people. We're so busy, so busy with other things. Where do we create space? How could they do it? How could they not get their spiritual ABCs sorted out? We always create space for what we think is important. We need to find our own space for, for prayer. Uh, I found a year, years ago when I was pastoring a church with the ups and downs that comes, the pressure uh, as then of teenage children as well, that I used to, to spend many hours walking around the area I lived. I got lost on many occasions doing that. <laughs> I, I found it, uh, even though where I lived, I didn't know where I was. I was just, I, I found it a useful space where I could pour out my heart. That's probably why I didn't know where I was. But also uh, it was a space that helped me evoke praise and adoration, thanksgiving. Many years later now, I, I regularly walk in the country, the hills, the fells. I find myself like many of us wondering at the awesomeness and the beauty of creation, worshiping God, creator. What I want to say is find your unique space if you've not got it. Maybe you have, I just want to affirm you, keep going with it. It, it. it may be something similar. It could be a particular time, such as in a car on the way to work, a room in the house, a walk with a dog, or whatever. For me, it's a room in the house before I start the day. But find it and make it your space. That helps to be, build creativity, regularity, and a passion for God through prayer. It's been said this, you know, that prayer, as we know, it involves words, but, but words are limited. To quote Philip Yancey again, I wonder, he says, if words are the least important part of prayer. Just as, I, as you know, I could reflect on intimate, natural relationships, as we become content in the presence of those we know, so words become less important. So words in God's presence sometimes recede. They become redundant. And indeed, other times they fail us especially when we don't know what to say. And in these circumstances, Paul says that the spirit himself intercedes with us with groans that words cannot express. I often find myself in prayer when I run out of words uh, before silence, just, just speaking in tongues as, I, uh, as, as, as I'm praying to, to fill me up before the Lord. 
I used to find as well in corporate prayer, and I'll come on to that at the end, but early morning of early mornings, we used to do all night prayer of corporate prayer. Many that some of the most stimulating times. Prayer where words and songs were replaced with reflection, meditation, and listening to God in the quiet hours of the early morning. Prayer invites us to lower our defenses and present ourselves to him, to God, understanding that in his presence, as I hope I touched on a little bit in Hebrews, there's welcome, there's security, there's assurance, there's acceptance that encourages. And sometimes we find ourselves pouring out our hearts before him in honesty. In my experience, individual prayer, it may feel like a routine process, but occasionally his presence will take our breath away. On a rarer moment, I was driving the car and I started to pray. And there's one thing I say, don't do, don't, don't pray and drive. And I do short bursts of prayer. Well, I was going to say on one occasion, which I'd never done it before, God came on me suddenly and uh, I was driving. And I was near the house and I, I pulled up abruptly on, onto the side set. He gave me such a window of compassion for the lost. I was overwhelmed. It was like a curtain was drawn back. My heart was so affected. I, was, <laughs> I thought, what on earth was that? I thought, I'm not praying again <laughs> when I'm driving. So maybe what I said about driving, be careful. <laughs> Don't close your eyes. I'm not saying I was closing my eyes. It was just overwhelmed by God's presence. However, I feel we get the feeling that God is overjoyed with our presence. Every time we approach him, whatever our feeling. In this respect, one thing to, to note as well, which is important, that prayer should not be seen as transaction but as relationship. It's not a transactional affair. It's not a consumer request to present, or even I do my duty than God owes me. Or as David Wilkinson says, and that's a good book that's just come out recently, so he's a physicist and a Christian and a theologian. It's not saying uh, that about God is a slot machine God. So I'll put, a, I'll put a penny in the slot machine in prayer. Such degenerates into cold practice rather than relationship duty rather than joy. Prayer then can just become an exercise. Oh, God's a loving God who wants an intimate relationship with us. I should expect to change over the years in, in my encounters in his presence, to become more like him, learn to discern his will. In, in this respect, you know, prayer often I found becomes a place of revelation and rest. Maybe it's me getting older. You know, I, I turn 60 um, with, uh, in the next uh, few months. And I'm getting, you know, weaker. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, falling apart, my kids say. <laughs> but I, I'm aware I'm needing more. You know, I bring more my weariness, well, weakness in my body to him. And I find rest in his presence. And as I said before, I'm often sometimes awake. I just find in lying in bed with my hands open to receive from him. One thing to say, try to see prayer, and this can get a bit complicated, as becoming a way of life. Paul says, the apostle, I pray continually. What does that mean? Something I think quite profound here. I think that developing a prayer life is, translates into a prayerful way of living, where we're consciously become prayerful through conversations, attitudes, disposition. So as well as taking time to set time aside for prayer, we should 
be developing, if you like, an overall prayerful lifestyle. There's something exciting about bringing a prayerful attitude as we go about our daily business. And, and actually, you know, in respect of our witness, how the Holy Spirit can direct us prophetically into situations where as salt and light, we're bringing his presence. You know, we may sometimes may not feel, not realize and not feel how much we make a difference in this lost world. But let's start asking the Lord for direction through prayer as we move about in the community, in our work situations. Just some groundwork for a fruitful prayer life. Helplessness and humility, I think, is, is fundamental. Not professionalism. Maybe stumbling is the right way to go. Psalm 139 says, the cry is, search me, O God. See if there's any offensive way in me. Root out selfishness, pride, deceit, lack of compassion, sin. Take heart, I've found this. A dismay at our condition is probably progress. My favorite psalm is Psalm 73, Asaph the Levite, and he's in a crisis, midlife crisis. But in coming to his senses is the start of a personal revival. Even a sense of slipping away from God can produce a clearer idea of what he wants and how far short I fall. And paradoxically, the nearer we get to a holy God, the more we become aware of our shortcomings. Take heart also in times when there's a sense of helplessness. It's a healthy situation to be in. To throw off self-reliance is an important lesson. Jesus said to his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. A reminder of what we said in Hebrews, it's God who holds everything together. Again, to quote Newman, to prayer is to walk in the full light of God, to say simply, without holding back, I am human and you are God. Prayer is a declaration of dependence upon God. An admission of weakness disarms pride and at the same time prepares us to receive grace. Humility, Karl Barth said in his commentary on Galatians, is the one thing, the one thing. God is drawn to desperation. God have mercy on me, a sinner. God welcomes such response. But in focusing on humility, it's not the black adder, Baldrick response, type of groveling or rather rec recognition, but it's rather recognition of our true state before God. My smallness, his greatness, his omnipresent, omniscient, self-sufficient God. I'm not. I'm reliant and I need to learn on him for everything. Honesty and doubts. Prayer allows a place for me to bring my honesty and fears. We learn to trust as we get to know the person to whom we're bringing to. Prayer is one place where we can open up completely. And I remind us everything is laid bare and naked before the eyes of God. Hebrews 4.13. Everything. The unspeakable, including secret places of shame and regret. God looks at the heart. C.S. Lewis said, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And we, in a place of honesty, we find ourselves with difficult questions for God. I have experiences in the messiness of life, unanswered prayer, grief and loss, guilt, God's absence. Sometimes that means wrestling in our honesty. Listen to Walter Wink. He says, biblical prayer is impertinent, persistent, shameless. It's more like haggling in an outdoor bazaar and the polite monologues of the church. What a great quote. And you've got lots of biblical examples of this. Abraham bargaining before God for Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses argues with God over his role. 
in the rescue mission of Israel from Egypt, and then bizarrely later in the desert, he intercedes on behalf of the Israelites. He's had enough of it. It seems to me that God invites arguments and struggle, especially when the contention is over God's mercy. And in the process of arguing, we may in fact take on God's own qualities. Nearly a break for questions. But overall, we must learn to trust God and that for which we do not understand. Remembering his ways are beyond ours. At the end of the day, we need to learn to trust on the God of all the earth who will do right and administer justice. Got a break? Got a question there? Or you've got two questions, actually. What do you find difficult or easy about prayer? First one. Second one, how can we encourage one another to keep heart, our hearts soft in the business of our daily lives? You should have those on your sheet. Do a quick breakout room, five-minute burst. Um, just quickly, John, so someone's asked in the chat uh, any recommendation of books on prayer. I think yeah. you mentioned um, Prayer by Philip Yancey. I put that in there. Yeah. How to how to pray by Pete Gregg. Pete That's Gregg, a, yes. Here. How to pray go. by Pete Gregg. If you just lower um, your camera so we can see it, John. You got that? Yep. Yeah. Well, we can't see it, but. Um, what I'll do is I'll put them on. I'll put them on the handout on prayer. Yeah. I'll put them at the bottom. Perfect. But there's Philip Yancey. There's Pete Gregg. David Wilkinson has written a good one. Well, it's just recently been re released. Great. And a good one as well is Tom Wright on the Psalms. I'll Great. mention that a little bit as well, using the Psalms in prayer. Great. We'll have a real quick breakout room, five minutes. So John and I were just chatting there. We were, we were basically talking about books on prayer, and, and we concluded that basically anything that Pete Gregg has written is generally very good. So God on mute. Um, what's the other one? Red Moon Rising, How to Pray. Um, I think he's written about three or four books. So just Pete Gregg is the yeah anything by him is is really good and also very easy to read as well very accessible so uh, john i'm stopping talking go over to you okay right so i'm going to whisk through this and uh sorry about my camera my, my wife says i don't look good on zoom so that's why i've been trying to hide from you so that's my excuse but hopefully that's a bit uh, that's a bit better um but we're going to look at the challenges of uh of of prayer and um so distractions, you know, I take time to pray and then something else takes hold of my attention. Have you, have you kind of come across that? Or my thoughts scatter, taking me in a different direction? I no, to... John, no, I've never, ever encountered that in my entire life. I'm really holy. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, that's a joke, John. That's a joke. That's a, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't. I, I'm sorry, John, I'm sorry. Well, I, I am like that anyway, and he's not. Distractions are, are something we need to be aware of, you know. What can happen is aspects of unworthiness, maybe, and what we're experiencing at that time, guilty, irritable, unfocused feeling that, that, that maybe such then disqualifies us from prayer. There's many examples of God listening to short-fused people. Moses, Jonah. Unworthiness is a necessary starting point. Yancey says it establishes the ground rules between broken human beings and a perfect God. Prayer is um, also helps with persistence, faith, and patience. There's been said concerning faith, it's not an issue as having a greater faith, but rather a, a trust, a faith in a great God. Leaning on the Lord in prayer helps us to endure delays, disappointments, 
discouragements. And such resulting faith leads to maturity and faithfulness in us, or enduring faith in our character. In essence, a persistence not to give up. It's interesting that testimonies of many folk who've come to Christ have sometimes had a friend, partner, relative praying for them for years. Let's just look at some of unanswered prayer. Prayer can be a painful experience, especially when there's no answer, or, no, or, or the answer you prayed for doesn't happen, and sometimes even the reverse results. Prayer for healing remains unanswered and the person dies. I've been there on a few occasions, especially as a pastor, where I prayed for healing and then to take the funerals of people who've died prematurely through sickness. Why does God sometimes not step in on this broken planet and bring miraculous intervention to our prayer request? Why is suffering distributed so randomly and unfairly? Answers on a postcard, please. Over to you. <laughs> you know, in this way, you know, sometimes things play out from the bottom up rather than the bottom down. Yeah, I believe in miracles and I'll pray for such expectantly where needed. But as well, my, God, my experience is as well that God often allows things to play out naturally. Even so, the biblical witness in our experience is God feels compassion for human suffering. Notably, Jesus knew the heartbreak of unanswered prayer. Jesus in Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. John, Jesus' longest prayer for unity for believers is still, we're still divided, over 34,000 denominations. Often we can be left with more questions than answers when we trial and reconcile events as we approach the mystery of prayer. Even the biblical material is not so straightforward. But maturity means that we can trust in God, but not understand his ways, which are indeed beyond ours. Overall, I think unanswered prayer needs a nuanced response. Some reasons, God's will. We need to trust his wisdom. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done to the Father. I'm afraid sometimes we need to leave it with the Lord. Some matters are only known, will know the other side of eternity. It's not for us to reason why this side. God is infinite, we are finite. Many times in my struggles to try and understand the situation, I have found myself leaning on him with tears, but resting in him, knowing he's a good, good father. Another reason we're at war, and in such, there are casualties where Christians often are targets. We're called to exercise spiritual warfare, Ephesians chapter 6. And this is where it's so important, the, the, the importance of prayer is, is, is paramount, that we're covering each other, covering lives within, in prayer. Also, we need to understand what the theologians term our situation, the now and not yet, which I touched on in Hebrews. The battle still rages, though the war has been won at the cross. Satan has not yet been cast down. We live in the power of the resurrection, but we also share in the suffering of Christ. The two sides of the same coin. We have this grace package of suffering, and we await with confidence eagerly, expecting the return of Christ. The confirmation of all things, when wrongs will be put to right, justice served, normal weeping, crying of disease will come. But prayer is the mechanism that we use in the absence of Christ. Yes, he's here by his spirit, but one day we'll be with him face to face. Now, that's theology. And I tried to explain this to a dear friend, a lady of mine, uh, two weeks before taking the funeral of her friend. And I'm not 
saw surely theological musings were what she needed then as she looked me with a, bla with a glazed kind of grief in her eyes. But I do know this, that in the presence, the God of all peace and comfort, he's with us. And a caveat here, we need to have a confidence in the whole aspect of an answered prayer, that Jesus' present position is in heaven as the true CEO of the world, is at God's right hand, and he is interceding for the saints. And he's been doing it for 2,000 years. He's been using the same tactic of prayer on our behalf. Just some aspects of prayer that we'll quickly go through. Adoration, using the Lord's Prayer as a model, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, starts with intimacy. Um, Andy mentioned Pete Gregg. He notes that Jesus presents a Father that is kind, one who comes running to us with open arms, a God who is on our side, that is not remote or distant. And uh, that is so, uh, so important. It goes on to say, hallowed, be your name, we express a sense of reverence. He's a holy God. We're in the presence of a holy living God, which again is another theme of Hebrews. Our God is a consuming fire. It's wonderful, isn't it? We've got this grace access through the cross to a loving, awesome, holy God. Petition. I'm skipping quite quickly with my eye on the time here. Petition, give us our daily bread using the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come. Prayer is asking for God, asking constantly. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus mentions food, safety, protection, forgiveness. Prayer is an invitation to ask, to articulate our specific needs. It is, again, as I said before, it's, it's interacting in a relation way that involves friendship. I remember... Um, saying to when I was on staff team with um, when I was a church pastor and we had a budget problem. And so I said to the guys one day, you're going to have to get jobs, guys. You know, I've got a job, I've got a part-time job. You need to just get a part-time job because in six months time, we're not going to have the finance. And I felt bad about it, but I prayed, prayed earnestly about it. And I was in Morrison's. I can remember it now in Nantwich. And the, the, the one of the guys phoned me up. He said, you never, but that was a week later. You never believe it, John. We both got jobs. I could not believe it. And I put the phone down and, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, well, that's what you asked for. <laughs> and um, it's, it's odd, isn't it? Sometimes when answers just come just before we think um, they, 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 they will come. And I just could, no, I was, could not believe it. And I had an argument with God that he'd answered too quickly. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it, sometimes? But petition, obviously, it, it, you know, sometimes involves a vulnerability to admit personal needs. But that's to exercise faith. And trust. So it's intention, intentional. It means an activation of the will. Faith is welcomed here. Before you ask, I will answer. While you're still speaking, I will come. It doesn't give the impression of a reluctant God. I, I should have read that when I got the answer on salaries from God. So prayer means exerting the influence on God's actions. It's potentially a means of working with God to determine events by not wishing, but actually being specific asking by spending time with him getting to know him we become more aware of his agenda his will and his and, and begin to rest in him intercession or prayer for others the power of intercessory prayer prayer that is focused on the needs of others richard foster says intercessory prayer is a way of loving others 
And the Lord's Prayer encourages us to pray for change, the coming of God's kingdom on earth. Biblical, sorry, the Bible teaches that such prayers can be powerful. Uh, I have given, given an illustration of this in church, so if, you, if you're anyone from, from, from church that heard me speak on Hebrews, ignore me, have a coffee for the next two minutes. But I was, um, I was doing a, a presentation a, a number of years ago on my favorite uh, church leader, John Wimber, and I'd done some work on him, and I was presenting to a lot of pastors on how he impacted through, um, through signs and wonders uh, uh, the, the, the church in the UK, particularly the Anglican church, but also New Frontiers he had a great impact on. And, um, and that Friday, I used to have corporate prayer in church, and um, I found myself um, really uh, full of faith, having focused on, on John Wimber. And uh, Friday morning was, was Tuesday morning, we prayed as the church, from um, half six to half seven, Friday from half six to half seven. I was there with a, a group of five, six people. And suddenly I don't know, the urge came over me to pray for the terraced houses that were just next to um, the church um, that, that I was in, the, the, the building. And I prayed with that God's glory would come, God's power would come, he'd touch the people and others joined in with me. And then we just felt, oh, leave it, the, the job was done. That Sunday, I was on set up and I was in a, a large school hall that we used to, 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 to hire. And I just see this guy coming towards me with this glazed look in his face. And uh, he said to me these words, I do not know why I'm here this morning. He said, I live um, in the terraced houses next to the church building. He said, a force has brought me here this morning. He said, I'm a divorcee. I'm accountant, I'm happy with my life, but I had to come here this morning. My jaw dropped. I could not believe what I was hearing. God had answered the prayer. I don't even even spoke to him. I was just overwhelmed with, uh, with, with that. What helps with intercession? To quote Pete Gray again, be informed, get inspired, get indignant. Um, you know, as a pastor, I felt... Um, my kids suffered a bit in, in growing up. They're now 29, 26, and 23. None of them at the moment follow the Lord. But I was very aware of subtle attacks on them when I was a pastor. I try and pray for them daily. Remembering, reminding the Lord. He has given us the, to them as a blessing. And his will is our family is saved. And I'll keep on praying for them as long as I live. And in this respect, as I said before, get together with others. Pray in agreement. That regular small group prayer in the church meeting that met twice a week. So we may have lost. John, I think you're breaking up. You can hear me fine, everyone, can't you? Yes, you can hear me fine. John, uh, I think you, you're breaking up from us here. I don't know, something's has gone wrong. Um, you've frozen. So if you can still hear me, um, I'm not sure what you need to do. <laughs> log off and log back in again. Oh, there you are. There you are, John. You're okay, here. sorry, I, I lost you. I think my internet is um, a little unstable. Um, I'm sorry in that uh, that respect. I... Well, he's gone now, so Laurie we will okay. come back to the meeting and be able to I... finish our session. There you are, John. I I'm, I'm here. Okay. You're here. Yes, you are right, here, John. Wanna... Okay, I want to pray prayer and fasting. Yeah, I'm not so surprised that this has gone. Um, uh, fasting is, is one aspect I think we need to probably redress uh, in, in the West. And uh, this is where I get very honest with you. My interaction with fasting through my, 
Okay, I think you've gone again, John. You're coming in tonight. We're struggling a bit here, John. It's interesting how it's been so good all morning. And just at this moment, it has come and gone. Yeah, you, John, you're frozen right now. We can hear a tiny bit of audio, but that's it. Um, if you can go closer to your router, wherever that is in your house, John, that would probably help. Um, that would be that would help you. Um, I'm not sure where that is, if you're far away from it. Um, let me see. There we go. Oh, there we go. We see. Right, John is walking. Sorry. Okay, I'm trying to change the uh, the room that I'm in. I'm trying to right. finish off with growing fasting. So, just to finish, I I I, I found that uh, fasting became an important part of uh, my life, and and it coincided with an ache and a hunger for God and and for change. And um, it also coincided with the move of the Spirit that was happening in in 1994 and I found the Lord speaking to me in various ways but also in my mid-30s 40s we, we regularly had in the church nights of prayer and fasting and I also led for four or five years a prayer for the city again with fasting and half nights of, um, of prayer. There are times when God broke in wonderfully in my life probably the greatest times I've had in the church in terms of productivity has been joining with other brothers and sisters in regular prayer and fasting events. An amusing uh, instance, one, we were, we were we used to have wonderful worship times and we were singing, blasting out the Salvation Army of General Booth. Oh God of cleansing, burning flames, send the fire today. The refrain is, refrain is, it's fire we want, for fire we plead, send the fire. We need another Pentecost, send the fire today. And the whole, there was about 80 people in the room, we're just going for it. And a guy bursts in at the back of the building. He says, one of the cars is on fire outside the church. Sure enough, every guy that had a car who was in that prayer meeting ran out, particularly those with cars parked outside. Fire was consuming a member's parked car. Well, I don't know if that was God or not, but someone has said, coincidences occur when I pray. And when I stop praying, the coincidences stop. All I can say is be careful what you pray for. Hebrews says our God is a consuming fire. And I just want to say prayer is not a limp tool. It is the most powerful tool we have. He hears everything. Hebrews says, again, God is very much alive. He's the all-seeing God. And, you know, just maybe that just as we bring this to an end, that, you know, there, I'm sure there are in our families that we need to pray, as I mentioned about our children, praying for parents, praying for relatives, spouses, neighbors. God, light the fuse. Believe for an explosion of the kingdom. I tell you, prayer is a wonderful, powerful um, weapon in that respect. And I think, you know, just as I was focused on the consummation of his kingdom in Hebrews, um, John Piper is another one who's written a great book on, uh, on, on prayer. And I'll, I'll put it, I'll send that through with the notes. But he says this, there should be a yearning and an aching within us in prayer and in fasting. Because the cry that the whole of the Bible is meant to leave in the hearts of the elect 
at the end of Revelation is Maranatha, our Lord, come. And, uh, you know, just the Lord bless you as I just brought these uh, few aspects of uh, prayer to you. But as I've been preparing for this, um, I, I say I do have a prayer life, but I have been challenged. The speaker has been challenged to uh, get back on track uh, more and more. And uh, you'll have to catch up with me to see uh, in the coming uh, maybe months of the impact it has had when I've, uh, as I've uh, taught these things. But thank you very much for your time uh, this morning. I hope these uh, few thoughts have helped you on Hebrews and prayer. So uh, Andy, back to you. <clears throat> thank you so much, John. I think we're all doing muted kind of clapping there. Uh, John, that was fantastic, particularly what you brought on prayer, just such faith-filled stories of persistent prayer, answered prayer. Oh, fantastic. Warmed my heart. I'm sure it has with everyone else. Uh, so thank you so much, John. That was that was great. And the irony of just when you were getting to the climax of everything on prayer, the internet dropped out. I'm thinking, mm. uh, Anne was saying, Andy, pray for it. Pray for it. Pray for, pray for release. So uh, it's great that you could come back and join us and, and finish off, John. Uh, yeah, really appreciative. There's lots of messages in the chat saying thank you. Thank you so much, John. Brilliant session. So it's been great to have you with us this morning. I'm just going to finish... We've talked about prayer. I'm going to finish by praying. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it, as we finish our morning together. Lord, thank you for what John has brought this morning. Thank you for the fact that you're a powerful God who loves to answer prayer. Lord, thank you for the stories we've heard from John this morning of answered prayer. And Lord, I, I pray for some of the things in our lives that maybe we've we've given up praying for, or we, we're lacking a bit of faith for. Lord, I pray that you would light the fire of faith for those things again. We would lift them back up, Lord, and pray with faith and see answers in these areas, Lord. Whether it would be for children who have walked away from the Lord, whether it would be for whatever it is, Lord, faith for provision, for restoration of relationships, Lord, I pray that you would bring powerful answers into prayer in our lives, Lord. We thank you for John. Thank you for what we've heard today, Lord. Thank you for our hearts being warmed and our brains being informed this morning through everything that John's brought with us. Um, and I pray that you bless the rest of our days. Lord. Amen. Amen.